I was an only child. Now, there's some distinct advantages to being an only child. But as you age and you make your way through the world, you find that most of those actually wind up being drawbacks. For example, never having to share love or the limelight is awesome until you hit the real world and it hits you back. You find out pretty quickly that no, the world actually doesn't revolve around you. Learning that even away from the spotlight, I still exist would have been an easier lesson in my early formative years. One thing that always was an issue for me was not having someone my age around to share the experience of growing up. Being an only child is a pretty lonely existence, and down deep, I always wanted a brother. I met my wife at a party thrown by a couple of guys I used to work with. I'd left the company about nine months prior, and I was invited. Her sister started working there after I left the company, and they were both at the party. I walked in, and there she was. I ain't gonna lie, I really hit the jackpot when I married her because I not only married the best person I ever met, but I was welcomed into an amazing family. Her parents always treated me as one of their own, as did her brother and sisters. And thanks to the good, kind man that Albert was, for the past 30 years, I finally knew what it was like to have a brother. And it was way better than I ever imagined. My brother Albert passed away on January 18th, 2024. We miss him terribly. Brother Al, thank you for our time together. You will always be in my heart, and I'm doing the best I can for the family. Your memory deserves no less. Losing you has left a big goddamn Al-sized hole in me. But it also made me recall all that I've learned about loss and coping over the years. And I'm putting that to good use, both personally and now, with this episode about loss and grief. This one's for you, my brother Al. Welcome to Retired Ever After, the recreational retirement podcast where fun is your ultimate retirement plan. Here are the hosts of your show, John and Guy. John, my condolences to your family. Well, thank you, Guy. It's been rough on all of us. When you told me what happened and that you wanted to do an episode on loss and grief, I knew I wasn't going to have a lot to contribute as AIs don't really feel loss or grief, but I also knew that I had to at least try. So with the help of our content team, I've prepped as well as I could. However, you know the old saying, talking about bulls is not the same as being in the bull ring. Ah, I'm sure you'll do fine, guy. And I appreciate the effort and the thoughts. This was always going to be an unusual episode, 
fun and fulfilling things to do in retirement doesn't exactly apply here. But I think this is an important topic for seniors. If you live long enough, a major loss is inevitable. And as we will see, talking about it is one of the ways that some, certainly me, find helpful in processing the grief that goes with that loss. So yeah, let's talk a little bit, you and me. Um, as an aside, I am fully aware that Guy isn't real and that I'm basically talking to myself. Uh, one of the advantages of being an only child is that I'm used to talking to myself. I've been doing it my whole life. So, Guy, what can I tell you about grief? Well, ha. Huh. How about let's start with the basics. What is grief and why is that the human response to loss? Well... How do I explain this? Uh, grief is our natural response to loss. So I guess my answer to that is it's because it is. Uh, we're just wired that way. It's a deep sorrow that's often triggered by the death of a loved one, but it can also be caused by the end of a relationship or significant life changes, events, whatever you want to call it, like one's dwindling independence and self-reliance with age. Um, you can mourn your loss of the ability to drive your car, for example. Well, that sounds horrible. How do you fix it? What's the cure? Well, it isn't something to be fixed or cured, Guy. Uh, it's usually something that you learn to live with over time. Now, personally, I try to treat grief like it's an old friend because, like it or not, it's been with me a long time and it's probably going to continue to be there till the day I'm part of somebody else's grief. So it's an emotion then? Uh, no. It's more than an emotion. It, it, it's a complex response. It covers a range of feelings. In grief, you might experience sadness, anger, guilt, fear, even feelings of liberation and relief. Oh, remind me about that later. I want to discuss those last two. Uh, but there's a whole myriad of emotions that get bundled into grief. They're just kind of all in there in the mosh pit, and it's, it's hard to tell where one ends and another one begins. And it can have physical manifestations, right? Like changes in appetite or disruption of your sleep patterns. The experience varies widely from person to person, and there's no quote-unquote right way to grieve. For me, ice cream and shouting seem to help, though there's a Dairy Queen now that I'm not allowed back into, but, you know, what you gonna do? Well, there are a lot of places you're not allowed back into these days. Well, yeah, true enough, but come on, man. Dairy Queen. Guy, Dairy Queen. Yeah, that's a bitter pill to swallow. So, what's the point of it? Why go through grief if it is so awful? Well, first of all, Guy, we don't get to choose. And while it may seem overwhelmingly negative, grief actually serves a crucial purpose. It's the normal and natural response to a loss, and it helps us heal. And if we're open to it, it teaches us so much about ourselves. Grief is a great teacher. By confronting our feelings and memories, we can come to terms with how a loss affects our lives. Grief allows us to properly say goodbye and carries us towards eventual acceptance and healing. 
It's not a journey you choose to take. Uh, it's a path you're placed upon. And it's an important part of the process of loss and change. And that's something we all face. Grief pops up at times and for reasons you never see coming. And sometimes it'll hit you in ways you never imagined it would. Surely there has to be a way to control it, yes? <sighs> you know, the comedian Patton Oswalt has the best observation about grief I've ever heard. In talking about the loss of his wife, Patton had this to say. You can say you're through with grief all you want, but grief will let you know when it's done with you. Controlling grief isn't necessarily the right way to think about it, guy. Everyone goes through it differently, and it's really more about managing our reactions to it rather than trying to control the grief itself. The grief's going to come no matter what you do. You have a choice on how you deal with it. A, a decent analogy is that it's a lot like a fall. Uh, you often do a lot more damage fighting a fall than just relaxing into it, and grief is much worse when you fight that fall. Uh, and worst of all is trying to suppress it altogether. Stephen Covey had a great quote about trying to suppress feelings. Unexpressed feelings never die. They are buried alive only to come back later in more hideous forms. Denying grief just delays the inevitable. And when it finally forces you to come face to face with it, it is orders of magnitude worse. And that's why I try to think of grief as an old friend. Because it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. And it's going to pop up at times and in places of its choosing and not mine. And so I figure, well, I should at least be on speaking terms with it. Strategies like expressing your feelings through talking or writing or, in my case, podcasting. Uh, seeking support from loved ones or professionals. And taking care of your physical health can all better equip us to navigate through the grieving process. Some find mindfulness practices such as meditation or yoga to be useful. Going through grief is tough, and it's okay to seek help or to take steps to manage your emotions if you're struggling. So, instead of viewing grief as something to control, try to understand it as something to acknowledge, to respect, and to work through in your own time and in your own way which, at the end of the day, is the only control you have over it. And remember, it is always okay to ask for help. Also, try not to get banned from Dairy Queen, because that sucks. All right, when we come back from break, we will continue this discussion, and Guy will share some thoughts and ideas on coping that our production staff came up with. We'll talk more right after this. Okay, we're back. Oh, man, this is exhausting. But um, I think it's important. So, you want to talk about some coping strategies? 
Yes, John, I do. But first, if it's okay, I really do have a few more questions for you. Uh, okay, sure, go ahead, ask. So, you mentioned that grief encompasses a plethora of emotions. Is there a sequence that is typical? Uh, well, like I said, grief is a journey, and while it does come in phases or in waves, it's not linear. Uh, it's not like... Okay, I'm done with one phase. Now I'm moving on to phase two of my grieving. Doesn't work that way. Um, so these phases were first introduced by psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her 1969 book on death and dying. The commonly referenced stages are, and I'm sure everybody knows these, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. What you have to remember is that everyone experiences these stages differently and not necessarily in that order. As some might skip entire phases. Some may revisit one or more phases multiple times. Like I said earlier, grief will let you know when it's done with you. It's also important to note that acceptance doesn't mean that someone's grief is completely over. It merely signifies that you've made an adaptation to what is now the new normal. Earlier you said that grief is a response to loss. Maybe we should talk a few minutes about loss's role in all of this. Yeah, good point. Okay, as near as I can tell, loss comes in like two flavors. There's the loss you see coming, and the loss that just hits you out of left field. Um, as someone who has experienced them both, I honestly can't tell you which one is worse. Uh, the one you don't see coming is awful, um, especially if you have unresolved issues with the person you lost. But uh, even if you don't, not having an opportunity to say goodbye, that, that lack of closure, it can be a real gut punch. I guess my only good advice there is to try not to take the people in your life for granted. You know, I mean, if you love someone, let them know. If you're mad at someone, either resolve it with them or find a way to forgive them in your heart. And do that while they're still here. It's much harder after the fact. And I know all of that is easier said than done. But, you know, it's, it's the best of a bad lot. Think about the important relationships in your life and consider what you would do or say if you knew you only had a day left with that person. I don't know. It's, it's hard work. So the loss you see coming is the easier of the two then? You would think, right? In my experience? No. Like I said, I, I can't tell you which one's worse. Look, there's no amount of preparation that will make loss easier when it happens. All right. I'm going to get real personal here. My mom had breast cancer, and she put up the bravest, most valiant fight I've ever seen a human being amass. And I've said of her cancer, if there was a blessing in anything she went through, it's that it gave us time to say goodbye and it made me the son I should have been all along. 
And I did everything I could in her five-year battle to make sure that there would be no regrets when we had to say goodbye. We had long discussions of her wishes and of our life together. I apologized to her. I confessed to her. She to me. We laughed together. We cried together. By the end, I was sure I was ready, and I was sure I'd left nothing out. At the end, she'd been in a coma for a few days, and on her last day, her doctor came to me and said that we'd reached a narrowing of the way and that it was time to let her go. And I knew it. I mean, just the day before, I'd whispered to her that she'd fought hard enough and that my wife, who she loved as if she was one of her own, my wife and I would be okay and that it was time to stop fighting and find some peace. So I asked the doctor, you know, how do we, what, what do we do? And she told me that the kindest thing would be to stop her dopamine drip and she would just slip away peacefully. Now, for most of her time in that coma, she was truly not there. I mean, her eyes were half open and they were seeing nothing. There was nothing behind those eyes. I stood next to her and I held her hand and I listened to her heart rate monitor as the interval between the beats lengthened. Just before she flatlined, I was looking at the monitor and I heard her gasp and I snapped my attention to her and her eyes, for the first time in days, were wide open and locked with mine. And for that brief moment, she was there. I know she was there. All of that caught me by surprise. I was not expecting an opportunity to talk to her again. And all I could get out was, it's okay, mom. I'm here. I'm here. Before that dreaded, long, continuous beep happened. Her eyes closed. And I'm not making this up. One tear came out. I've never seen someone die before. And I never imagined that there could be such a thing as beauty and death, but there it was. In the following days, I found out every flaw in my preparation for losing her. The regrets started creeping in. I said, I'm here. Why couldn't I manage I love you? It's not like I'm one of those that has a hard time saying it. And I know we said it to each other every day, and I know she knew I loved her. But why couldn't those have been my last words? And that wasn't the worst of it. I had an uncle coming from out of state to be there. And I knew he was coming. But at the time I made the decision to let her go, I did it without even thinking about the fact that he was rushing to be there. And then I had to look him in the eye and tell him that she was gone and that he'd missed her passing by no more than an hour. How could I have been so thoughtless? I, I'll always regret this. Always. And then there's the matter of my wife. Let me tell you about the relationship between my mom and my wife. 
You know, you hear all these horror stories of mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws, and there was none of that between them. They were kindred spirits. They truly, truly loved each other, and they liked each other too. My wife would go to my mom's house and clean it once a week. And then they'd sit and talk like old friends afterwards. My wife was the only person my mom would trust to shop for clothing. She understood my mom's fashion sense instinctively, and she was the only person on the planet besides my mom who got that. And for all the care I took to make sure there was nothing left unsaid between my mother and I, nothing left undone, no regrets, I somehow neglected to think about how her passing would affect my wife. And it hit her hard, harder than it needed to, and that's on me. And there's my old friend regret again. So, why am I confessing all of this? <laughs> it's because I want to drive home the point that no matter how prepared you think you are, you're going to miss something. Something unexpected is going to blindside you. And you're just going to have to live with that. And you're going to have to find a way to forgive yourself for it. Depending on what it is, forgiving yourself can be hard. But it's made easier by trying your best to be there for the person you love when they need you the most. Honestly, the experience of truly being there for someone when they really need you is the only meaningful comfort you will experience after they're gone. There are a couple of things that I experienced after my mom passed away that really caught me by surprise. The first is something I'm going to call rapid decompression. Towards the end of her life, my mom spent a lot of time in a hospital near her home. I would drive 50 miles into work every day and then drive over to the hospital after work so that we could watch Wheel of Fortune together, laugh and cry and prepare ourselves for our road ahead. Even when she wasn't in the hospital, I'd drive in at least once a week, oftentimes more. And I'd go with her for chemo and doctor's appointments, and my wife and I would run errands for her. It was a lot. And don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. I don't regret or begrudge a single minute of it. Like I said, it is the only comfort I have now that she's gone. But it was a lot. And then, then there was the constant worry. When she was well, it was the worry that it would come back. And when she was sick, there was that constant worry that, oh boy, this might be it. And suddenly, all of that was gone. Snap the fingers, poof, gone. Well, I hadn't expected it, but that, Sudden decompression left one hell of a big hole in my life. And I didn't understand it at the time, but I needed to start thinking about what I was going to fill that hole with. Because as we all know, nature abhors a vacuum. And if you don't fill the holes in your life with something, 
Nature will do it for you, and it will likely make choices you would not have made for yourself. The other thing that caught me by surprise after her passing was, and this is related to that sudden decompression, a feeling, and I don't want to call it a feeling because there were two feelings, a feeling of relief and a feeling of guilt. So the relief you could maybe chalk up to, oh, that mom was in a better place and that she wasn't suffering anymore. And to be sure, that was part of the equation. But I'd be lying to you if I told you that was the only relief I felt. And that's where the guilt comes in. Because I was not only relieved that she wasn't suffering anymore, but I was relieved for myself. I was relieved that I didn't have to work so hard anymore after her passing. And I'm saying this out loud for the first time in my life. And it sounds just as crappy and horrible out loud as it did in my head. And I have been carrying this around for decades. I mean, it's 30 plus years later. And I'm really not over the guilt of this. Maybe finally saying this out loud will help. I I don't know. But I do know that I can't be the only person that has experienced this combination of relief and guilt. It's normal, and I, I guess it's understandable. If I ever get around to forgiving myself, I'll, I'll let you all know. Okay, I, I'm wiped out, guy. You have to talk for a while. How about that research uh, you and our staff did on coping strategies? What have you got for me? Sure thing, John. While you were talking about your feelings of relief and guilt, I did a little research and here is what I found. You are absolutely correct that these feelings are normal and understandable. Relief in particular can be a common reaction for several reasons. Like you noted, it is in part because your mom's suffering has ended, and it's also relief that you no longer carry the burden of caregiving. I get how complex this mashup of emotions are, and the feelings are perfectly valid. Just remember, Guilt can be a part of the grieving process, but it's essential not to get lost in it. Consider speaking to a grief counselor or joining a support group to navigate these feelings. They can provide the necessary tools to help you cope and understand that your feelings are valid. I don't know. How about I just try to get banned from Baskin-Robbins? That seems simpler. Whatever you need to do, John, it's your journey. Here are some more common strategies people use to help cope with grief. Talking about the loss. Sometimes, simply expressing the feelings related to loss can provide a great relief. Don't hold back your emotions. Crying is not only okay, it's healthy. Talk about your feelings with someone who can provide emotional support, a trusted friend, family member, or a therapist. Seeking professional help. Grief can be overwhelming and talking to a bereavement counselor or psychologist could be very beneficial. Expressing feelings creatively. Writing, painting, or making music can help in expressing feelings that might be hard to verbalize. Exercise. Physical activity releases endorphins, natural mood lifters. It also provides a distraction and can help improve sleep. Joining a grief support group. Connecting with others who have experienced similar circumstances can comfort you. They can help normalize your emotions and offer understanding and support. Meditation, mindfulness, and relaxation techniques. 
These can help in managing the stress and anxiety associated to grief. Journaling. Write about your feelings. Expressing these emotions on paper can be therapeutic, and it's a safe place to honestly explore all your feelings, including the guilt or relief. Remembering loved ones. Celebrating the lives of lost loved ones can help focus attention on positive memories. This could be through photos, memorabilia, or engaging in activities the deceased enjoyed. Self-care. Eating well, getting enough sleep, and taking time for relaxation and recreation can help the body better cope with the emotional strain of grief. Remember, everyone's journey through grief is unique, and what works for one person might not work for another. It's about finding coping strategies that resonate with you. Okay, Guy, thanks for all of that. How about a quick list of online resources and, I don't know, recommended reading on loss and grief? Sure thing. Here you go. Based on a quick search, here's what I found. The following is a list of online resources and recommended readings to help those dealing with loss and grief. For online resources, any one of these is an excellent source of information. Helpguide.org. Coping with Grief and Loss offers a comprehensive guide on understanding grief, the emotional process, and coping mechanisms. American Counseling Association, counseling.org, grief and loss. Resources, provides general information, articles, and resources for coping with grief. Optionb.org, an online community offering stories of adversity to help build resilience and find meaning in the face of grief. Griefshare, griefshare.org a network of support groups with a program designed to help those grieving the loss of a loved one. The Compassionate Friends, CompassionateFriends.org, supports families after the death of a child, providing comfort, encouragement, and hope. And here's my recommended reading list. On Grief and Grieving, by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler, an essential resource on the stages of grief and how to work through them. The Grief Recovery Handbook by John W. James and Russell Friedman, offers a step-by-step -step approach to healing for all types of grief. Healing After Loss, Daily Meditations for Working Through Grief by Martha Whitmore Hickman provides comforting daily meditations for those dealing with loss. It's okay that you're not okay. Meeting Grief and Loss in a Culture that Doesn't Understand by Megan Devine offers a fresh approach to navigating grief and loss outside of the conventional stages model. When Things Fall Apart, Hard Advice for Difficult Times by Pima Chodron provides wisdom on dealing with difficult times, including loss and grief, from the perspective of Buddhist teachings. All of these links and book recommendations can be found in the episode notes. Okay, that's excellent, Guy. Thank you. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Stay put, and when we come back, we'll figure out how to exit stage right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Okay, we're back. Um, as we reach the end of today's journey, this one's really been a struggle for me. Um, it's taken us, well, me anyway, through all the peaks and valleys of human emotion in dealing with loss and grief. Absolutely, John. 
Today we've explored not just the sadness that accompanies loss, but the myriad emotions it brings. Anger, guilt, and sometimes relief. Yeah, buddy. This one really wiped me out. But I think we've shown that the human response to grief is as unique and as varied as the individuals experiencing it. We learned that while grief is universal, the path to healing is personal. There's no right or wrong way to grieve, and it's okay to seek help, to talk, to cry, to laugh, and to remember. That's right. And while we always say here at Retired Ever After that the ultimate retirement plan is fun, sometimes part of that journey is navigating through tough times and doing it with optimism and resilience, hopefully making room for joy once again. So, to our listeners, thank you for letting us share this space with you. If you're going through a difficult time, we encourage you to reach out, to connect, and to find those moments of joy in your life. Join us next time as we return to our quest for fun and fulfillment in retirement. Until then, remember, Retired Ever After is not just about the laughter, but embracing all that life has to offer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next time. Die. Roll the music and take us home. Alright folks, that wraps this one up. If you feel you missed anything or want to delve deeper, be sure to revisit this episode. Also be sure to check out the episode notes for any helpful info that John, our very human co-host, managed to misspell there. Wait, what? Thank you so much, dear listener, for joining us today and being a part of our retired Ever After family. We appreciate every single listener. If you enjoyed today's offering, please consider leaving us a glowing review. It really helps others discover the show. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. For show notes, additional resources, and links mentioned in today's show, visit our website at www.retiredeverafter.com on our episodes page, or look at the episode notes wherever you are listening to this podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode, as well as any suggestions for future topics. You can reach us at the contact page at www.retiredeverafter.com or via email at the show at retiredeverafter.com. A big thanks to the sponsors of today's show for supporting us and a shout out to our production team, which is basically all John, for making this show possible. Music for our podcast is provided by Chicago Johnny Vegas. Host in the Machine virtual co-host was licensed to Retired Ever After by Solve for IT. Text-to-voice solutions were provided by Eleven Labs and can be found at elevenlabs.io. Remember, the best chapters in life are written after the work is done. Take care. John and Guy will talk to you in the next one. Until then, I'm Die the AI, and this is Retired Ever After, the recreational retirement podcast, where the ultimate retirement plan is fun! Fun!